As I mentioned, we are so glad that you're joining us either live stream or on Facebook. And if you would go to our church's Facebook account, uh, there are devotions on there every day, Monday through Friday. Uh, I'm doing devotions right now. We're going through the Old Testament, the Jehovah names of God. Pastor Jerry has placed some. Pastor David has uh, shared some devotions as well. So I want to encourage you just to stay in God's word, stay connected uh, together as a church family and to, to make use of, of those devotions. Some of you uh, find yourself right now in the greatest crisis of your life. Uh, maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you are afraid that you're going to, to be sick. And oftentimes when, when that happens and we we go to pray, sometimes we feel like our words just kind of fall out of our mouth, and instead of ascending to heaven, they just hit the floor flat. Or sometimes we feel like when we begin to pray, uh, the, the prayers start, but they don't really get any higher than the ceiling. I don't know if you've watched the news at all over the last couple of weeks, but uh, there has been a uh, panic buying of toilet paper, meat and produce aisles have been uh, cleaned off, the pasta aisles are, are empty, and if it stayed under the radar for you, also uh, guns and ammo have flown off shelves. I mean, people are, are purchasing what they think is important for this time. And I will tell you, for us as believers, we need to understand that prayer, our spiritual pulse in prayer, is absolutely essential at this time. Because the most important aspect of my life is that I am right with God. Now, there are physical necessities that all of us need. But the one relationship that is going to last beyond life into eternity is my walk with God. And so it is absolutely essential that my walk with him is right and that my relationship and hearing from his word and going to him in prayer, that communication line is open. We're going through a series. We started last week. We care about prayer. And this is a time for us to pray, maybe like we've never prayed before. Some of you have faced crises before, but this is a new one or this is a bigger one. Some of you are heading back into a fire, not necessarily because of COVID-19, but just because of life circumstances and, and grieving and sorrow. And the Bible has great words of encouragement for us when it comes to prayer. So if you have your Bibles, Second Chronicles 7.14 is where we are going to begin. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be dealing with different aspects of prayer. Today, we're going to be talking about being desperate for God, that sense of desperation. And that sense of desperation then leads us to cry out to him and ask him for his hand and his help. But here's the key. We've got to get our heart right first. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Notice what it says with me. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear, hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And with that, let's, let's take a moment and pray together. And God, I pray that uh, we as believers would tap into that awesome resource of prayer and that our relationship through this time 
would be stronger. And Lord, during this time of social isolation and social distancing, that our spiritual intimacy and closeness with you would grow. God, do it. Please, Lord, in the name of Jesus, amen. As we look at Second Chronicles 7.14, I must say that over the last couple of months, every time I've gone to, or nearly every time I've gone to a private moment of prayer, I've begun this way. Lord, your word says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then you'll hear from heaven. And God, I, I need you to hear from heaven. I, I need to know that you're hearing my prayer, that that as I pray to you, God, it's going up to heaven, not just ending at the ceiling, not falling flat on the floor, but God, that it rises to you. And there is a sense of desperation with that, that I so want to be close in my walk with God. Even through this challenge and into January and February, as I went into 2020, I thought, God, I want to get closer to you. I want to grow in intimacy with you. This is the passage, one of the main passages that I use in my prayer time every day. Now, as we look at the context of Second Chronicles chapter 7, we find that Solomon is dedicating the temple. And as he is dedicating the temple, it is an awesome chapter. In, in verse number 1, it says that, that fire comes down from heaven and consumes the sacrifices. And in verse number 2, it tells us that the glory of the Lord is filling up this new temple so greatly and with such an awesome impact that uh, the priests are not even able to go into the temple. It is awesome and wonderful. And Thousands of sacrifices are offered before the Lord. And then in verse number 12, the Lord begins to speak to Solomon. And as the Lord begins to speak to Solomon, he says, Solomon, this is going to be a special place where I'm going to, to hear your prayers. And, and he uh, consecrates this place. He says, I've heard your prayer in verse number 12 as the Lord speaks to Solomon. And I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. And then in verse number 13, he says these words to Solomon. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the insects or the locusts to devour the land and send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Now, we have to understand in the context that this is a promise given to Israel. This is not a promise given to America. Israel is not America, America is not Israel. And we further have to understand in context that Israel was a theocracy, that God was their leader, that he was the one who was to, to be looked to and his guidance was to be experienced. We do not live in a theocracy. We live in a democratic republic. It is far different. And so we look at this and say, well, does this actually apply to us? In some ways, it doesn't apply to us like it did to ancient Israel. But I believe that the principles of prayer that are laid out before us in 2 Chronicles 7.14 absolutely apply to us. They apply to us corporately and they apply to us personally. And God wants to do a work in our prayer life and building our relationship with him. And so notice, as we look at this passage, what we find is this. If people are 
seeking God in desperation with humility and repentance, he will heal, hear that prayer. And he will move. That's the context. That's what we need to understand from this principle. If we seek God in desperation with humility and repentance, God will hear and God will move. So today, I want to challenge you as one of his people to seek him with this sense of humility and repentance and desperation so that God can work in your life. You, some of you, will never have a moment to be repeated like this again, where you have no activities and distractions in the evening time, where every day maybe you're working from home and you don't have to take a 30 or 40 minute ride right now. God is giving us time. He is giving us distance from others. And now he's calling us as a church to say, are you desperate enough to cry out to me? See, the world panicked and grabbed toilet paper and guns. We need to say, Lord, we're not going to panic. But with the principles of prayer, we're going to seek your face. So notice what we find in Second Chronicles 7.14 is he says, if my people who are called by my name, God starts with his people in verse 14. He is talking to, again, to ancient Israel. He's talking to his people that are there. But he's talking to people who are there offering the sacrifices. They're living by faith. They're worshiping God. And so who are the people of God today? Well, the people of God are pictured in the New Testament in John chapter 1 and verse number 12. But as many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe on his name. Those are the people, the people who believe Jesus is the only Savior, that he is the only way, as Jesus would say in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He's talking to, to today would be, who are God's people? It is those people who have trusted Jesus as their Savior. Acts eleven twenty six tells us that they were first called Christians in Antioch. They were called little Christ. It was a derogatory term. These people go around acting with, with love and morality and teaching just like Jesus did. He's talking to people who have a real relationship with God. And, and may I say, all because you're an American and all because your parents went to church or your granddad was a deacon or your great-grandpa was a preacher doesn't make you one of his people. You have to come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ alone. You don't get to heaven on anyone else's coattails, not mom or dad. You don't get to heaven because... Uh, your your wife is a good Christian or because your husband is a deacon. See, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 7, there are going to be many in that day who say, Lord, I mean, didn't we do great things? Did we cast out demons? Did we teach? Did we sing? Lord, didn't we do a lot of these things? And the Lord's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. About 10 years ago, when I was uh, living in Georgia, I had a man who was in his early 60s come to me and he said this, buddy, I have had God around me all of my life. I grew up in church. I've always been in church. My family's been in church. But here's the challenge. I've never allowed Jesus to come into my life. His people called by his name. 2 Corinthians 6.16 says that God takes those people and he dwells in them. He walks among them. And he calls us his people and we can call him 
our God. God starts with his people. Then God shares this formula for prayer. That's the second aspect that we see. We see his formula laid out for us in prayer. And he lays it out. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. God begins speaking to Solomon and say, Lord, uh, it says, before the Lord, you need to remain humble. And if there's anything over the last couple of weeks that has hit especially our nation, it should be a sense of we don't have it all under control. What we have watched is we've watched the number of sick people go up. We have watched the number of deaths go up. We have watched the number of unemployed go up. We have watched the people who are applying for unemployment and and needs for the government go up. And we have watched the stock market go down. Maybe, just maybe, God's speaking and getting not only America's attention, but the world's attention and saying, look, you've got to humble yourself before me. See, pride ruins everything. It was pride which cast the devil out of heaven, and it was pride that cast Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. And in Proverbs 6, 16, it says that there are six things that God hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. And you know what the very first one is? A proud look. God hates pride. So that in 1 Peter chapter 5 and in James chapter 4, he deals with the issues of pride. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 5, he tells us that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And therefore, he says this, and therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that in due season he may exalt you. Have you come to a place and said, Lord, I don't have all the answers. God, you're the potter and I'm the clay. God, you're the shepherd, I'm the sheep. You're the father, I'm your child. It's coming to God with a sense of humility that says, I don't have all the answers and I can't even meet all my needs. God, I humble myself before you. See, before a prayer can get high, it needs to get low. And we need to get before God with a sense of humility and cry out, Lord, I am dependent upon you and I humble myself before you. And God, I desperately need you. You are the master. You call the shots. You are in control. And Lord, I humble myself before you. I can't trust my education. I can't trust my job. I can't trust my savings. I can't trust my health. God, I trust you alone. That is the picture of humility. Humble themselves and then we pray. We pray after we humble ourselves, we come before God and we lift our requests before him. See, prayer shows that aspect of of dependence. And prayer often is the spiritual pulse of our of our walk with God, of our relationship with God. It, 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 do you want to know how great and strong your spiritual life is? How much do we pray? 
Prayer involves coming to God with a sense of desperation and, and turning from sin and confessing that sin to Him. But it involves adoration of how great and wonderful our God is. It, it involves a seeking to, to, for God to move in our life and praying and interceding for others. Prayer sometimes just involves silently waiting for God to move and for listening to the Spirit's voice. Prayer involves thanksgiving as we lift up the many blessings that God has done for us. It is we humble ourselves and we pray. God wants us to build that communication line, that slender nerve of prayer that moves up from heaven from our uh, weak life opens up the power of all of God's omnipotence before us. Humble ourselves and pray. Thirdly, he says, seek my face. It's easy for us to ask for God's hand. It's easy for us just to say, God, get me out of this. Lord, I mean, meet my financial need. God, uh, take care of this problem. Lord, we want your strong and mighty hand to move. And, and God, touch me and, and touch this person. And Lord, take care of this circumstance. And, and we want God's hand. Many of you uh, are teachers or retired teachers. Some of you have taught in Sunday school and, and taught in Bible school. And whenever a teacher asks a question and the students don't want to be called upon, what do they do? They put their head down. They don't want to be exposed. They, they don't want to be called on an answer that they may not know. And yet God says, will you seek my face and honestly look up to me with a transparent heart that says, God, it's not just your hand and your power I want, but I want you and I want a relationship with you. Lord, I'm not hiding. I'm not holding back. God, I don't want just your hand. Lord, I want your heart. I want to see your face. Obviously, God is speaking in an anthropomorphic term, which means that, that he gives a human quality to himself so that we can understand God wants us to seek him, not just his power, not just his miracles, not just his strength. He wants us to know him. And he tells us this in Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, that you, when you seek me, you'll find me when you search with all your heart. In Psalm 27, verse number 8, David said, Lord, when, when you said, seek my face, my heart said, Lord, I will seek your face. So what's keeping you from saying, God, I don't want your hand. God, I want to walk with you in intimacy. I want you. Then he says, fourthly, turn from their wicked ways. This is a prayer of repentance. And once we see his face, we can be like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 when he saw the Lord and, and the, the seraphim were there and they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. And, and Isaiah cries out and says, Lo, woe is me for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. When he saw the Lord, he saw himself. And when we get a picture of the Lord, we recognize that we need to repent that there are areas of our life that we need to get right. That 1 John 1, 9 tells us if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin 
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, God doesn't just want to show his hand. He wants us to know him and walk with him. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I cherish or if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear. And it's so easy for us to say, God, I don't want to change my life. I just want you to change my circumstances. And God is much more interested in changing your life. He loves you. He wants you to walk in the fruit of the Spirit and enjoy the blessing of His presence, which far surpasses anything that you can achieve in your career or in your education, which far surpasses any physical uh, award or financial package that you can earn. It's all about walking with Him. So He calls them my people, called by my name, if they'll humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then God not only shows us that he's going to listen, but notice what he says at the end of verse 14. He says, and then I will hear from heaven. And God promises to hear that prayer. Now, can we expect if we as a few believers say, Lord, we're going to seek you first, that God's going to take care of all the crime and all the problems in our, in our nation. I, I don't think that necessarily is going to, to, to be the case, but wouldn't it be awesome if individual believers all through this land and churches all through this land took this time and said, God, we are desperate for you. Lord, we want you to move so much in our life that we'll do what you want. We'll humble ourselves. We'll seek your, we'll pray, we'll seek your face. We'll turn from our wicked ways. Because God, more than anything else, we want you to hear. I'm a dad. I love being a dad. If my sons only came and talked to me, when they wanted something, I would think, they don't really love me. They're just using me. Maybe it's time for us to evaluate our own life and to say, Lord, I love you. You sent Jesus and saved me. And I don't want to remain an arm's distance away. I don't want to keep a six-foot distance Lord, I want to know your presence in me and experience the fullness of everything that you have to offer. If that's your heart's desire, let me encourage you to pray 2 Chronicles 7.14. And I want to pray it. And I want maybe if you're watching, maybe just whispering in your own heart and saying, Lord, this is what I want. God, this is what I need. I need you. So would you pray with me? And Lord, your word says, if my people who are called by my name, and Lord, I'm, I'm yours. I've trusted Jesus. I know he's in my life. I know he's forgiven me of sin. You've worked so graciously in, 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 in my life. Thank you for saving me. And you tell me as one of your people, Lord, if I will humble myself, and God, I humble myself before you, 
I'm not much, but I'm yours. And Lord, through the working of your spirit in me, I I know there's no limit, but God, of myself and in myself and physically and intellectually and and even spiritually, Lord, I am, I'm little. So I humble myself before you. And Lord, I pray. Lord, I want that relationship with you to be living and active. And Lord, I seek your face. God, I want to know you as Paul shared in Philippians 3, to know you and the power of your resurrection, Lord Jesus, and the fellowship of your suffering. Lord, I want to know you more. Grow closer to you, especially at this time in crisis. Lord, I I want to know that your presence is, is alive in me. And Lord, I know that in your presence is fullness of joy, even through the storm. So Lord, I seek your face. And Lord, I turn from my wicked ways. God, how easy it is for me to to get distracted, to get pulled in different directions, to forget, Lord, how easy it is for all of us to fall into the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Lord, may the words of our mouth and meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, we turn from our wicked ways. And Lord... Would you hear our prayer? Do amazing things. God speak. God move. In your name and through your power. Jesus, we pray in your awesome and mighty name. Amen. Amen. The band's going to come back up. And while the band's coming up, I would just want to encourage you. Last week, I encouraged you to, to... uh, take Psalm 61 through 63 and pray Psalm 61 through 63. Maybe it's praying Psalm 73 and holding on to these anchor promises that, that we have, that the Lord is with us and he holds our right hand and he guides us with his counsel and afterward receives us to glory, that God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Maybe today you need to start with a journal. Get a spiral notebook or get a journal and begin to write If you're having problems focusing in prayer, begin to write your prayers and pour out your heart to God. Maybe you don't want to write everything in your journal, but there are things that you need to write in your journal as God is leading and speaking to you through this time. God wants to move in your life. Crises and the valleys are often the places where God allows us to grow and they always then lead us up to a new uh, hill, to a new mountain, to a new spiritual place where God wants us to walk. But walk through the valley well. Walk through it with him. Walk through it with a focus. And as you do, you're going to come out on the other side closer, cleaner, and you're going to be a better witness for him.